Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
The soil there has always been a peculiar thing. You wouldn't think so just by looking at it, of course. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to pinpoint a single distinguishing feature that separates it from its more banal and quite frankly nurturing cousin. No, most would just see plain fields of mire among large swaths of reddish dirt. Inconvenient terrain should you track its remnants into your home. Stay a while, though, and you start to notice things like its pervasive silence or the wickedly formed trees that bedevil its woods. You may come across the particularly unnerving feeling that just below your feet lies an old and smoldering darkness. When you turn to leave that odd little town, it may even reveal to you a sliver of its true nature. You may realize the houses you saw were really the distorted reflections of places far more sinister. That the strange people you met were nothing more than fleshy marionettes beholden to some unseen puppeteer in the sky. That under the ground where you stood only moments ago thrived a black and industrious ecosystem, feeding the land with the distilled essence of long-buried evils. Then you may have an inkling of what terrors reside in the town of Devil's Clay. As an inhabitant of Grey Witch, I have the unfortunate displeasure of living near the wretched place. It clings to our borders and thus we often play host to its parasitic appetites. I sometimes wonder if the earth itself senses its presence, if it yearns to somehow cut that fiendish hamlet from the rest of its body, as we do. If so, it seems whatever forces prevail in that accursed burg are strong enough to humble even it, stilling its will along with our own, keeping us both firmly drawn to its fangs. The place is not simply home to some wicked form of darkness, though. It's also a beacon, a dire lighthouse to which lost evils are drawn. The road to Devil's Clay, a meandering dirt path through the low house woods, has seen its share of traffic. Some human, and according to certain whisperers, some not so human. Over the years, it has offered its dark hospitalities to many strange visitors, some of which traveled through our own town to get there. Accounts of these foreigners were our bedtime stories as children, cautionary tales to keep us afraid of the dark. I can remember, not so fondly, my own father's recount of such a tale. A yarn about a man who, at the edge of the woods, burnt an unnamed resident of Greywitch alive in a giant ornate lantern. He went on to claim that the owner of the man-sized lamp then used the flames to cast a bizarre and frightful shadow puppet show, an orgy of black shapes that gambled and played across a canvas of trees and switchgrass. I didn't sleep for weeks. Not because I was scared of the story, per se, but for the duress under which it was told. My father, a stoic and hard man, shook as the words spilled from his mouth, fear permeating his person as surely as the sweat that poured from it. For years, I struggled to merge the mundanity of my everyday life with the terrifying legends I had come to know. It wasn't until I disobeyed my parents' chief rule to never go outside at night that I was able to reconcile the two.
I was six years old when just past midnight, I snuck past my parents' room and crept down the stairs of my home. When my feet finally met the bottom floor, I felt the excitement of freedom, liberation from my parents' dictatorship. The wooden planks of the floor protested as I moved across them, their creaks and whines trying to alert my mother and father of my disobedience. I quickly threw on my shoes and opened the screen door. Darkness enveloped me. The night sky was jeweled, its shimmer delicately touching the earth, giving only vague shape to the world in front of me. The tire swing, the sycamore tree it hung from, and the car out front were all now the silhouettes they once cast, having hidden in their dark counterpart upon the sun's dismissal. Without the prying eyes of my parents, everything seemed different. Shadows were like doorways, long, inky corridors leading to nowhere. The jutting rooftops of Grey Witch's larger buildings transformed into looming black monsters, ever vigilant for straggling children. Without knowing it, I had made my way to the borders of my yard, having instinctively followed the only source of luminescence, a thin cut of moonlight. I remember standing there, still, an orchestra of June bugs and crickets serenading me with their songs. Despite my house only being a few yards away, I had never felt so alone, so unprotected. It was like I was in the deserts of outer space, floating against the smile of distant suns and passing comets. The bulwark of parental oversight was gone, their eyes blind to my defiance, my rebellious spirit. It was a moment of realized smallness, before, the world only encompassed a small patch of grass and a leaning colonial far beyond its years. Occasionally, it would expand to a grocery store or a neighbor's house, but always no more than the limit of my mother's or father's eyesight. But now they weren't looking. Their imposed jurisdictions gone. The vastness of the world free to announce itself to me all at once. It poured over me like a wave its breadth overwhelming. Suddenly, the world became dangerous, savage, an untamed thing that at any moment could quash my diminutive existence. I'm not sure how long I stood there, but my pajamas were almost soaked through with sweat by the time a faint sound began to replace the pitchy drones of nighttime creatures. At first, I thought it might be me my imagination twisting the night's many voices into something more insidious. But as the windows around town began to alight and silhouettes began to replace the pinched curtains that once hid them, I realized I wasn't the only one hearing it. The sound was faint, slight voices reporting from somewhere in the starlit void. They seemed to be coming from the woods, whispering out from between the jagged claws of so many arching branches. They fluttered to me like butterflies, wispy and gentle, almost embracing me with their breathy articulations. Then, 
In the softest tone, my name was uttered. It rode on a slight breeze, barely audible, just loud enough to turn me toward the woods. But as my name continued to fill the air, it became less a declaration and more an incantation, as if repeating it might summon me from my spot on the dewy loam. And it did. Before I knew it, I was shuffling towards the darkness of the low house woods, the liminal chant drawing me closer and closer to the infamous forest's open maw. I looked back at the houses whose windows were only moments ago filled with the blackened shapes of curious neighbors and friends, but they had gone dark, their curtains drawn, abandoning me to whatever fate awaited me in the devil's woods. I remember at that moment, hoping my parents would find me, scold me for my disobedience as they wrapped me in their arms and ushered me home. But all was quiet. I looked at my house and tried to mentally summon them, tap into that psychic bond between parent and child, those unexplainable intuitions mothers supposedly get when their children are in danger. But my house seemed empty, abandoned, like an old ship lost at sea. The whole world seemed to disappear then. Even the stars were lost. The clouds like giant hands shielding them from the sight of whatever horrors lay in wait for me. I entered the low house woods, mist crawling at my feet, old foliage crackling below my every step. There was no sound of animals or bugs, just a warm breeze that sang between the gnarled fingers of withered branches and through the hollows of ancient trees. I saw strange shapes frolicking in the canopy, vague insinuations of terrible things my child's mind hadn't the wherewithal to understand. The things seemed to follow me as I continued my jaunt through the black woods, their silhouettes casting pits upon the ground, inky chasms I was careful to step around for fear that I might plummet into them. I wasn't sure if the things in the trees were the source of the whispering, or if it was coming from somewhere else. The ghostly utterances seemed to have no discernible source as if the night itself were comprised of thousands of mouths, all speaking at the same time. At first, they only said my name, a gossamer thing that flitted upon the air like a moat of dust. But then they began to say other things, echoing my darkest thoughts, my nightmares. Tears began to emerge at the edges of my eyes, but instead of sliding down my cheek, they defied gravity and spilt upwards, towards the nebulous things that had been shadowing my every move. I wanted to scream, but it was as if I'd been robbed of my voice, fear cramming it deep down into my belly where it toiled and seethed. The woods were getting thicker. Vines wrapped and curled around trees like strangling pythons, and clawed branches seemed to reach for me from every direction. I could see strange flora punctuating the forest floor, saprophytic things that huddled in the darkest spaces of the woods, ghouls feeding on the death that surely permeated the soil. 
I continued to stumble along, my tiny feet kicking up small waves of autumn detritus, my eyes looking through a mosaic of tree branches, weeds, and thicket. When I eventually neared a clearing, an exit from the cursed timbers I'd been summoned to, I picked up my pace. But as I neared the open expanse, I began to see the sketching of crooked chimneys and crumbling gambrel rooftops. Misshapen colonials and ancient Victorians came into view, tumble-down deities of ruin and dereliction. The houses of gods best left unspoken stood like stone goliaths, their awful build surely a testament to the dark tithes of their founding. Every abode was a house-shaped oblivion, voids with bored and battened skins and Tudor-windowed eyes. Gaslit lamps that looked like warped shepherd's crooks dotted the streets, casting a paltry incandescence that nary fought off the encroaching night. Alleyways were the gutters of outer space, thin, starless vistas crammed between two-story wooden corpses. Yet, despite the place's apparent demise, there seemed to be within it a vein of life. A circulatory system wherein the foulest vitality pumped and coursed through the town's gloomy body. As if reacting to my epiphany, I saw pinpoints of dull candlelight suddenly come to life in the window of various houses, their dancing yellow flames summoning hordes of shadows to play against the interior walls. It was like watching some sinister allegory of the cave, silhouettes writhing against the rock, leaving me to stare in awful wonder of what terrible things might be casting them. Other homes' front doors began to creak open, figures of mind-jarring shape undulating at the mouth of their crooked thresholds. In the yards and patches of despoiled soil, I saw black gardens begin to bloom, gloom-fed flowers that blossomed beneath the stare of the moon. But beyond all this was a sound, one that jarred the earth and the sinister little town that sat atop it. It was the creaking voice of a giant door, slowly yawning wide. Then, everything went black. I woke up in my yard, laying on my back on the moist grass not twenty feet from my house. The night insects had recalled their songs and the stars once again regained their icy glitter. The world shrunk back to the two-acre patch of dirt and grass that my parents so diligently tried to maintain. But somewhere in the woods I heard the fading whisper of my name, the hushed utterance retracting slowly back into the low house woods. Before anything more could happen, I got up and ran into the house, uncaring of the fact that my entrance might disrupt my parents' sleep and lead to a grounding the likes of which I had never endured. But they never woke. I ran into my bedroom and threw the blankets over my head, the bastion of all children in times of fear. I waited until the sun rose to fall asleep, imagining its rays possessed the power to cleanse the remnants of the night's horrible children and provide me the safety I needed to rest. I never told my parents what transpired that night, 
never told anybody about it. Until now. For so long, that memory remained an island in some forgotten ocean, the waves lapping at its shores in quiet, protracted utterances. But regardless of its remoteness, its utter desolation, it continued to send ripples through the rest of my mind, shaping the currents of my daily life, eating away coastlines until, at last, I could see it again from the banks of my mind's eye. So much of my life had been defined by that night, that little landmass in the middle of nowhere. And yet I shunned it to the outskirts, denied it purchase on the mainland. It's a mistake I won't make again. It was only a few months ago that I came upon an idea. I was taking my daily walk when I truly began to see our town for what it was. Superficially, of course, it shares features with any other municipality. Houses, churches, people, but beneath its quaint veneer, stuffed in every home, shop, and place of worship, was fear. Each residence I passed bowed beneath the weight of terrible memories their very wooden bones burdened by the living ghost dwelling within. These tangible shades, the citizens of Greywich, haunt more than inhabit, roaming town like lost specters seeking justice for their murder. And yet, the culprit is known, thriving at the edge of our crumbling village, smiling. Past attempts at its incarceration proved fruitless, only creating more ghosts more wandering phantoms to loaf about our suffering city. And yet, these endeavors were poorly schemed, merely backlash to the great machinations of an elder devil. After all these years and all the failed attempts of liberating our people, we are still no closer to understanding the clay than when our feet were still fresh from the attempted burning of it. We have fought blindly, stupidly, in the past but no more. A select number of us began meeting in secret in the old Milton place, a tumble-down stone house long forgotten to a thick tangle of trees atop Steeple Hill. It started out as simply talking, a time we could collectively voice the things that were for so long trapped in our throats. The words spilled from our mouths like avalanches, threatening to consume both the listener and teller. Yet each time we held fast against the spoken disaster, brooking it rather than being buried by it. It was cathartic. We had been taught that only the elders had a slick enough tongue to speak about Devil's Clay. That age and prolonged silence had honed their voices such as to slip the attention of our town's most historical terrorizer. And yet, we spoke without consequence our young tongues fresh and ungreased by the oils of time. We were emboldened, and the small group of us began to slowly discard the traditions, rituals of our elders, including those forbidding any inquiry into Devil's Clay. Old Eleanor Mitrioff used to say, You go digging for details about the clay, the only depths you'll likely be obtaining is that of your own grave. But are we not already toiling beneath our tombstones? We so often confuse breathing for living. 
But what good is breath when it is merely the bellows for a scream or a whisper? Especially when it's at the behest of a hand always wrapped around our neck. For Grey Witch to once more live, Devil's Clay must perish. And to do that, we must plunder whatever secrets it hides, no matter how deep they've been buried. Devil's Clay is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld, and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.